0: You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and it's never too early to make your predictions on the All-SEC team, and in that case, A&M kind of comes in pretty hot. You would expect that for a team that literally is going into the year with all expectations as the oldest veteran roster with a chance to contend for an actual national title in 2020, even without the likes of some key players on both sides of the ball. This episode of Lockdown Aggies is brought to you by RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is an online auto park system that has been serving customers for the past 20 years. Go visit RockAuto.com and type in locked on on the how'd you hear about it section so they know that we sent you amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you will ever need. RockAuto.com is the place to be. As always, before we begin the show, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this show a more quality-sounding podcast every single day, every single day, Monday through Friday, is a Locked on Aggies podcast day. I would like to hear from you and your considerations. And secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Man-related content. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. So before we begin talking about the All-SEC preseason teams, I want to go ahead and just bring up this real fast. A lot of people have been asking me about what I think of the Big Ten coming back to college football this year and how it will affect the preseason top 25. Well, the best way I can put it is this. The Big Ten being in the college football realm is better than it being sitting on the sideline. Everyone and their mother knows that. The Big 10 has three of the biggest programs we've seen in the last 2 to 3 decades. When you really think about it, with Michigan, with Penn State, Penn State for a lot of negative reasons, but still Penn State, and Ohio State. When you take those three out of the conversation and you say, "Okay, but South Alabama can have a football game." Yeah, you know, we could we could see uh, we could definitely see the likes of Jacksonville State have a football game. We can see the likes of Florida International have a football game. Florida Atlantic have a football game. But we can't see Ann Arbor have zero capacity, but the yellow and blue stand tall in 2020. We can't see that. That's just not the case. That is why I say... Having the Big Ten back is a great deal. Now, little teams, and unfortunately I have to put them in here, like Nebraska and Iowa won't hold their weight in a conversation, even though they did a lot of the work. They did a lot of the complaining. They did a lot of the background research. They did a lot against the Big Ten, against Kevin Warren, to make sure that this season was going to happen in some capacity. But those three control everything that goes on in the public light today. They do, and that's just kind of how it is. You look at those big teams, you look at those blue blood teams, and Ohio State's lived up to the hype. Penn State has somewhat lived up to the hype. Michigan has not, but they're Michigan. And because they get the game every year to close out their season, they're always going to be in the conversation. They can be 4-8 every season they're going to be in that conversation. But having those teams, and I'll throw Nebraska in there, because they're a blue blood school, I would say. I'd even throw Michigan State in there for a little bit. To have those teams back, have them in the mix, have them considering to be in the college football playoff you know, conversation, it's good for college football. Now here's the reality. How does this affect the SEC? You better have some damn good convincing wins. Because if they're going to have an eight-game schedule... And Texas A&M is going to have a 10-game schedule, and they go in and they they come close, you know. And I'm and I'm not saying that they have to come, you know, win every single game, A&M. But but let's say they have a really close win against Alabama, and they finish nine and one. And Florida, they beat Florida. Florida loses to Georgia. Georgia loses to Alabama. Georgia also loses to same I don't know like Kentucky or something like that. So they're eight and two, and A and nine and one. You better have significant proof that Ohio State was severely the better team than AM week in and week out to say they deserve to be there without playing two extra games. That's just my opinion. I mean, you have to say that Wisconsin was a top five defense and their offense didn't miss a beat without Jonathan Taylor. You have to tell me that Rondell Moore. Or Rashad Bateman at Minnesota or Purdue, respectively. Their impact meant nothing, and Purdue was just a damn fine team. And that's if you're Penn State too. Oh yeah, state college. We had, you know, we had Indiana come through. We had Rutgers come through. We had all that, and we won by 55. You have to guarantee that you prove that because if not, I don't see how you can justifiably say where there's teams in the ACC like Notre Dame this year, like North Carolina. They're going to fight for their way to potentially be in the college football playoff as that number two team behind Clemson. In the SEC, Georgia, Florida, A&M, even Auburn, they're going to fight to be that number two seed in the SEC behind Alabama. And guess what? Maybe Alabama's even fighting for that number two seed so they don't miss the playoffs consecutively for the first time ever. The Big Ten has to play up to speed. For them to be considered in the same category as the likes of, I would say, Auburn, as A&M, as LSU, as North Carolina, as Notre Dame, 100%. Because you can't tell me that after you had time to adjust, time to, you know, watch the film, talk to the players, talk to the CDC, figure out a way to get better testing results, that an eight-win season... Oh, hey, yeah, we went 8 no, and we won two games by a field goal. Where's our where's our spot in the college football playoff? No, it doesn't work that way this year. It, it can't work that way. It's already tough enough when you have two other conferences not playing on the same schedule as you. So imagine playing on the same schedule as you. That's what you have to do if you're the Big Ten. You have to be the most consistent team that you're up there with the likes of the Bamas, the Oklahomas, the Clemsons, The uh, I'll throw Florida in the mix, I'll throw Georgia in the mix, I'll throw uh, Texas maybe in the mix, I'll throw A&M in the mix. You would be right up there with them. And then you have to hope that every other team at least had two struggle wins or a bad, 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 bad loss to where you can just finally say, oh, we're 8-0, they're 9-1, but look at that loss. Look at these. Look at these quality wins. Look at our type of wins, and then maybe college football playoffs committee will say, "You know what? You're in. That's fine." Finally, how will this affect the SEC when it comes to the new twenty-five rankings? Now, again, this is a little different. The SEC is represented by five teams in the top ten, with Florida, Alabama. Georgia, LSU, a um, and I think Auburn actually, so six. They make up a majority of the top 10. I think until you start seeing these teams kind of come back and knowing for sure they're going to play, which would be October 10th. So A&M versus Florida, which could be a top five matchup between both teams. If one of them loses, they're automatically we're kind of dropping out of the conversation. So, to me, I don't see a problem with that, but that's when you add them back. You don't add them back in week two and then go, oh yeah, Ohio State's number three, but they're sitting at zero and zero, and we have five teams that are sitting at four and oh. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, no, 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 Ohio State can stay there. No, Penn State at seven? No, they're fine. They're fine, even though they've got to take a snap, but we have every other team in the top 10 with at least a 3-0 and record. But hey, hey, the Native Lions, they make sense. That's all good. You can't do that. But when you start to see them guarantee they're coming back, which I would say the 10th or the, the weekend of the 10th or the weekend of the 17th, go ahead and add them back into the top 10. Which, again, probably means Ohio State comes in at like 9. Maybe Penn State comes in at 12. Maybe Michigan comes in at 16. Maybe Minnesota comes in at 25. And Wisconsin comes in maybe somewhere in between those two. But that's how I see it. This episode of Lockdown Aggies is brought to you by rockauto.com. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Would you rather install a part that you know you can get for a fraction of the price yourself or bring it into the shop and pay a service and convenience fee that costs you almost double what you would actually pay for the cost? That's why you should go to rockauto.com rockauto.com has been serving online auto park customers for the past 20 years and they have an amazing selection an amazing catalog with all different brands and parts that you could need for your car i can tell you this right now i want to change out a headlight i know how to change out a headlight i like the headlights that are found at rockauto.com i ordered it i got it installed within an hour after the package landed at my apartment that's how fast and reliable these pieces are Go visit rockauto.com and type in "Locked on, on the How to Hear About section so they know that we sent you amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you will ever need. rockauto.com is the place to be. On Aggies presented by the On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas AM. and Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts? From one of your favorite sports teams? If so, why not listen to a On Podcast? The Lockdown Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports teams, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up every single week to be the champion of your fantasy football league. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live on LockdownPodcast.com. So, the preseason All-SEC team was released, and guess what? A&M was very well represented. Maybe not in the brightest light of what you want from the first team, but they were represented overall pretty well. Eight players made all three teams, with junior defensive lineman Bobby Brown being the only Aggie found on the first team. Aggie's second team unit included Isaiah Spiller, tight end Jalen Weidemeyer, quarterback Kellen Mann, and safety Damani Richardson. Offensive lineman Kenyon Green, Dan Moore, and Carson Green all came in as the third team offensive line. Now, let's break through just a little bit about each one of these stats, see if they make sense, and see who was also in the running for them. So, Bobby Brown made his full-time start last year as a sophomore. He compiled 20 tackles, two tackles for losses, three quarterback hurries, and one block kick in his first season as the starter. And when you look at what he's going to have to bring this year as the main up-and-coming guy in replacement of Justin BK, that's probably why you look at why he is on the first-team unit. Other guys who made the first-team unit in that defensive line included Le- uh, LeBron, Ray, Big Cat Davis from Auburn, and Jordan Davis. LeBron Ray is a very good, talented defensive tackle. Going to be playing that nose for Jimbo, uh, for Nick Saban. And Big Cat v- Bryant has been kind of lost in the mix behind Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. A lot of this is a lot of young talent. Moving on to the second team unit, Jalen Weinemeyer. This one I get, but I can say you, you can make a total placement for him in the first team. And I would not be surprised if he is the first team All-SEC tight end by the end of the year. He totaled 31 receptions last year for 419 yards, 6 touchdowns. He averaged 13.52 yards per catch, and was third on the Aggies in receptions, but led the team in touchdown catches. The freshman gave the Aggies something in the passing game, even without the likes of Baylor Cup, who went down with an injury during the last preseason. He basically became the only serviceable tight end for A&M after the Alabama game because he had two touchdown receptions, and he's going to be a big factor this year. I mean, you look at what AM has lost, and Kendrick Rogers, Courtney Davis, Jamon Osmond, Baylor Cup for a second season, uh, Blake Smith, who is going to be probably their flex tight end. They've lost a lot. And Cam Buckley. I forgot about him. Cam Buckley. I, I mean, if there's not a player who's going to be targeted more, and I'm going to talk about it later, but I believe that you could see Weidemeyer be the only tight end in the SEC with 1,000 receiving yards. That's how much he's going to be targeted. Who came in at the tight end position for the first-team offense? It was Kyle Pitts from Florida. Pitts had a great year last year. You can't deny that, but you have to understand that if he has any struggles at all, you're going to see a big step up from a guy by the name of Weidemeyer. Second-team quarterback was Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond, a senior from San Antonio, Texas, is poised to rewrite his record books in Texas A&M history going into the 2020 season because if he's that close— to beating the likes of every single passing record. So there's no problem with that. He's finished second in total offense. He's third in passing yards, fifth in passing touchdowns in the SEC last season. He's hoping for a breakout year, and it's going to be tough. I mean, you have Weidemeyer. Um, you have a few other guys who you've never worked with, like Jalen Preston, who has a few catches on his career. You have young guys like Dylan Wright and Demon Demas coming in. Uh, but this is a guy who has battled his way into a starting role since his freshman year i mean he went up against nick starkle and every single game he was going up and he finished with 1300 passing yards uh for 340 receive uh rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns on 89 attempts he also had uh three touchdowns against louisiana and was in the davy o'brien award winner that year so he has adversity you know who came in at number one first team quarterback It's kyle trask there's not even a question. I think Kyle Trask going into the year is going to have something to prove because if he's been in the limelight of those New Year's Six Bowls and all that. So, Mon coming in second is not a surprise, but it's very clear that they're saying straight up, it, this is a two-man race. It's Trask against it's Mod. Don't give anybody else a run, a run for the money. Isaiah Spiller was the lead back for the second team offense, and he finished as A&M's leading rusher last year with the second highest total as a true freshman in school history, with 869 yards and nine touchdowns. He also caught 200 uh, 207 yards worth of receiving yards in 27 passes. Since the Alabama game, he was playing very good. He set the SEC. Uh, he set the freshman record in A&M history for his 217 yard game and three touchdowns against UTSA. He had four 100 plus yard outings last season alone. And he reeled off uh, another 85 in te- against Texas State in the opener. He's a good player. And he's the lead back in A&M. Aniah Smith is going to be that lightning. He's going to be that thunder. If they can be a great 1-2 combination, they're in for a hell of a year in College Station. But I'm going to tell you right now, this might be the most exciting player that you see in College Station in 2020. It might just be Spiller. And lastly, Demonte Damani Richardson. Richardson was third on the Aggies in tackles with 63. He also added an interception and a forced fumble. He emerged as a starter in fall camp and actually started all 12 games during his freshman year. He became one of the top players in the box against the run because becoming a surefire tackler in the open field with 32 total stops. This is a guy who we're going to talk about a little bit more today. So that kind of gives you an indication on where he sits on my top 25 Aggies to watch for in 2020. But more importantly... This is the guy who's going to be helping, I think, Leon O'Neal and Keldrick Harper out a ton. You allow him just to play in that box area, up front, kind of as that third linebacker. Let him deal with the run. That'll let Keldrick Harper stay deep. That will let Leon O'Neal stay short. I think that's a good fit. Who was the other safeties that came in? Well, was Jacoby Stevens from LSU, We had a hell of a year last year, and Richard LeCount, who everyone is expecting to be the next Georgia safety to potentially be a first-round pick. So, Richardson, as a guy who was a freshman last year, kind of has to still make up a little bit of ground. I get it, but I would not be surprised to see him also in the first team at the end of the season as well. He's that talented. All right, 25 Aggies in 25 days. Who are our two for this Friday edition? Don't go anywhere. We'll be explaining who in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson and the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. It's live on LockedOnPodcast.com. Follow us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. 25 Aggies in 25 days. We are eight days away from kickoff as Texas A&M will be playing host to the Vanderbilt Commodores on Saturday, September 26th. That game will be featured on SEC Alternative Channel. Kickoff is set for 6-30. Now, top 25 Aggies in 25 days. Let's just run through really fast who we already got. 25 Saints King. 24, Devon Onshane. 23, Brian Cole. 22, Devin Morris. 21, Caleb Chapman. 20, Dylan Wright. 12, uh, 19, Donnell Harris. 18, Ryan McCollum. 17, 16, whatever order you want to put them in. Jared Hawker and Kenyon Green. 15, Jalen Jones, 14, Anaya Smith, 13, Leon O'Neal Jr., and coming in at number 12, let's just name him, Damani Richardson. Richardson last year was a big surprise and a huge plus to Mike Elko's secondary, but he was a young guy. He made some rookie mistakes. There was a few plays where you could come out and you saw him miss plays in coverage. You saw him miss open field tackles. You saw him be late to the party. You saw him get juked a few times by top talent. So now you kind of know what you're expecting in year two. He's a guy who definitely has the mold to be an effective blitzer. He's a guy who's going to be great against the run. You're going to play him up top. He's going to be able to play right next to Anthony Hines, right next to Buddy Johnson, and he'll be that third linebacker who can also play really well in coverage. You know he's going to be good in coverage against tight ends, I worry about him against speedy slot options who just are zigging and zagging across the field. In that case, I would keep him in zone and wait for the cross to come in his direction because I'm not sure he's going to be able to keep up with the guy who's running across the other direction. And overall, this is a very talented player who's only building off of a freshman year. Keep in mind, he was a freshman last year. How many freshmen are going to be able to make an impact the way he did against the run? He his third in tackles, 63 on the year. That's something that you don't just say about any single freshman. That's a massive contributor to a team's success. So, in my opinion, Richardson coming in at 12 is because of that's how much higher expectations you have. And again, Leon O'Neal came in at 13. He's going to have to play your middle-tier safety because coming in at number 11... That's going to be the leader of the secondary. It's Keldrick Harper, hands down. is not only just a good guy on the field, he's a good guy off the field. You ever hear his story about what he does in Bryan College Station area for kids? You would be amazed that this guy is as fierce, as intimidating, as talented as he is, as hard-hitting. He just seems like a giant teddy bear. And he's a captain for A&M. When you're the captain of a secondary... Of a very young unit. Because now without Elijah Blades, you have to replace another cornerback. You still have a young guy in Damani Richardson getting starts. So you have to kind of really think about it when you're the captain of the defense. He was, in my opinion, the guy who had to make the most plays last year, even in a limited capacity of a role. He finished with 51 sacks, he finished with 2.5 tackles for losses, he had a sack, he had pass deflection, and had a fumble recovery. He started in four games, he's a rotational safety, but when he's on the field, that versatility makes him dangerous. And also, you really don't know what Leon O'Neal is going to be like this year. Is he going to have problems like he did last year? Because if that's the case, is going to be in. But Carper is also a captain. He's voted on by players to be effective as all across the board. He comes a big part on special teams. He's a good part on the defense. He makes a name for himself. He's a fan favorite. I want to see what he can do this year. I'm not sure that you're going to be able to see, especially with a young cornerback on the outside, you're going to have to see Carper, I think, play a lot more dime formation. Elkos going to be running a lot of three safety sets. I think he has to. So that only boosts up Carper's role as that third safety. You have O'Neal kind of playing the rover role. You have richson down the box. Let Carper stay high. But also, if you want to play him against the runners, set him on a, safe, on a deep safety blitz, do it. He can do it. He can be effective in that, in that capacity. He's dangerous. He's a very talented player who is able to be a little bit multi-tooled at every single area of the field. Gets the run, gets the pass, but more importantly, he's a guy who you want to root for. That's the biggest thing I can say about a guy like Keldrick Harper. You want to root for him to be successful. Because when he's successful, a and successful. And when a and successful, A&M's happy. So root for a guy like Keldrick Harper. He comes in as my number 11 player to watch for in 2020. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. We will see you next week as the Aggies take on the likes of the Commodores. It is game week in College Station. We will have guests coming on to talk about the Commodores. We will have people coming in, and we'll finish our top 10, top 25 Aggies to watch for in 2020. We will see you on Monday. And remember, give me y'all. This has been Lot On Aggies, presented by the Lot On Podcast Network.